I got to get a t-shirt that says, I enjoy talking with storytellers because they create incredible conversations. Arrow.net, A-R-R-O-E.net. All right, let's do it. Let's play it forward. These are real people, real stories, the struggle to play it forward. Episode number 496 is with Grandmaster Dork Lord, Michael Johnston. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. How's your wife doing? I've talked to her a couple of times. I mean, mean, she's still creating? She's still writing? She's... More than ever, she's, she's, a, she's a busy kiddo. What is that like to have two writers in the household? Because I mean, I mean, I, I tried to do that in with my first marriage. It was like, ah, this isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, I've definitely been there, but you no, know, it, it, it works pretty well. I think the pandemic has been a huge challenge yeah. because we're both working from home, and uh, you know that has its own challenges. So I, there's a little less shop talk around the house because uh, <laughs> otherwise it would just be 24-7. <laughs> well, your new book, Confessions of a Dork Lord, Grave Danger. First of all, you, you're not afraid to say, hello, my name is Mike, I'm a dork. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. You know, I can definitely relate to uh, Wick, who's my main character's sort of tortured existence. This is a guy who just can't get a break basically you know he's he's a he's a he's in magic school but he's never cast a spell correctly uh you know if he was in harry potter's world he wouldn't even make the quidditch <laughs> team um but isn't that what makes it re- real though and why readers are attracted to books like this because they're going oh my god this this is really kind of written about me i hope so um you know i i you know, we all, you know, many of us have read and loved books like Harry Potter, but, you know, I always feel let down by the, by him. You know, he, he seems like he's good at school and he's also good at sports and he has great friends. And I thought, well, I never had any of that. Um, I, I, I would like a protagonist who's still heroic, but, um, you know, I can relate to, uh, and, and Wick is kind of that guy. He's the guy who doesn't have any of that really. Do, um, he's still working on himself. Do you find yourself cheering for him as well? I mean, when, when you're putting those words words into a paragraph i mean as the writer i mean that to me is the is is the experience for you and then you let it go for the rest of the world definitely um you know i i think wick is a guy that that, that readers would, would definitely need to cheer for because he, he needs to be cheered up he, he's he's uh he starts out these books really at the bottom and he is he's clawing himself he's clawing his way up to uh you know, maybe the level that some other heroes start at. And I think that's compelling. I, I, I like a guy who has challenges. They're, they're relatable. What, what did you feel in your heart when you were, when you were creating Wick that you felt that his journals were, were very important to, uh, to be a part of this story? Yeah, so these books are told in journal form, which which kids know from books like Diary of a Wimpy mm-hmm. Kid and Dork Diaries and all and, and other similar books. And, and I, it's a really compelling medium because you're you're it's first person, and uh, you know I use the word confessions and confessions of the dork lord because it's kind of what diaries are. They're little confessions. They're almost like secrets we share mm-hmm. with no one. Uh, except our journal. So I, I find it an incredi- incredibly sort of fictional journal, and they've been around forever, of course, um, is, is a really compelling media medium. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to peek into someone else's journal, isn't it? Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I'm a daily writer. So, so journaling is, is my life. I, I keep oh, two yeah. journals. I do the morning okay. pages in the morning and then I do a defrag journal where, where I, where I break it down. It'd be like, if I were the author of, of Dork Lord here, it'd be okay. So you're going to call it Dork Lord, break it down, break <laughs> it down, break it down, break it down. How do, how do you process your creativity? 
That's a, that's a that's a great question. You know, creativity for is is kind of a twenty four seven thing for me. <laughs> I, I live in Los Angeles, and uh, I find I. I I get most of my thinking done in the car, which is convenient because in Los Angeles, we spend a lot of time in the car. Um, and so perhaps that's also why the car in the shower, I, I feel like in times when I have a slight amount of distraction, I'm able, you know, I, I'm doing something else. I'm actually able to process my thoughts better and I can, I can get some core thinking done. I mean, beyond that, it's just sort of, you know, butt in the seat writing as, as much as is possible to get things done. Sadly, like anything else, it's a profession, as you know, and we, we, we simply have to write a lot to, to get it done. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand, especially as writers, that that there's a narrator that lives inside of us, and that narrator is what puts those words on that page. Yeah, I, I think... Uh you know, I'm somebody who uh, I I, also, I, re, I have a really severe dry eye problem that keeps me from reading as much print as I once read, and so I to cope with that I discovered audiobooks. Yes. Um, and and it, it's become interesting because there are you know some audiobooks are not great, but it, but a, a great um, actor can really bring a whole new dimension to an audiobook. So, you know, in, in a sense, like we hear people giving giving voice to these characters, and I when I write books sometimes I feel like I'm narrating my own audiobook, like. I've, I've created an actor, and I'm and I'm I'm using his skills to act out my character, and you know I can kind of hear that voice a little bit. Do you find yourself walking into the writing space and going, "Okay, Wick, come on, we got to get we got to get to work." Okay, show show me what you got today, <laughs> Marshall, buddy. Mar- Mar- Marshall the troops. Um, I, I think so sometimes. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm an author. I come from an architecture background, actually, so I'm a bit of a, a of a planner. So I, when, when I do write books, I, I do uh, extensive planning. I do a lot of outlining and planning. So I know, I, I, know, I know the key moves, and then I feel like you have to do the opposite when you write. You have to not let the outline control your every motion, and you have to you know, be able to improvise, um, which, which is something I think I understand. And, and uh, for me, it gives, gives myself structure, but also you know, flexibility. The one thing I learned about architecture, and I did this in high school because I took drafting all the way up to drafting three, was yeah, you, 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 you've got to answer that question, why? Interesting. What do you mean by that? In other words, why did I put the window on this side of the building? Why is the oh, is the front door Lord. here? Why? And so when you go into storytelling, yeah. you, you're you constantly asking yeah. why. Yeah, exactly. Everything needs to make sense. You know, when we make books, when we make characters, they have to be kind of organic. They're each a world unto themselves, and they have their own internal logics, and they have to make sense to the reader. And if they don't, the reader trips on it. You know, mm-hmm. they, they get confused. Why would, why would he do that? Why would he say that? Why would that happen in this world? You know, everything has to feel natural and compelling uh, as if it, in this world this should happen it's the only thing that would happen uh, yeah I agree with that and architecture has that has that quality too of composition where all the elements are essentially in harmony everything makes sense with everything else and has been plotted because of function form geometry or structure um, you know sometimes architecture is a little more easy because we have some very concrete things we have to put the plumbing somewhere and <laughs> so there, 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 you can learn aesthetics you know and structure has its own demands we balance a lot more concerns there's a little more flexibility in books oh yeah because um, I mean you, I mean your, your stories have a foundation to them I mean I mean look, look at this foundation the villains always get to do the fun stuff I mean you're I think you're the first person that's ever said that to me <laughs> interesting you know I, I I have had I must confess I have had a lifelong interest in the villains you know they're um they're sort of these perpetual underdogs and, and often characters that aren't maybe especially in science fiction and fantasy very 
brought to life in a way that's very full and interesting. And yet I've, I've still found them compelling. You know, they're the ultimate underdogs. They seem to always lose at the end. And so this book is, is about one of those. He's actually the son of a sort of dark lord, a sort of, you know, <laughs> uh, fantasy villain. Um, and I thought, yeah, yeah, I haven't really read that book. I'm, I'm sure it's out there. Somebody will tell me that there's probably another book that did the same thing. But I, I hadn't seen a lot of those, especially in this middle grade space. And so um, I thought, oh, it's, a, it's an interesting territory to, to explore. The modernism of writing is, I, I love the fact that, that you look at Wick as being an influencer. And I, I got to be honest with you, there are businesses all over this world that are searching for influencers. I, I love that you're handing that to the reader as well, where they can make a difference in their own world. Yeah, definitely. And Wick is, he, he's, he's somebody who's, yeah, he's struggling for, there's a, this is of course a fantasy book. So it takes place in, you know, something or like the middle ages, of course, a fictional era. And, uh, but you know, like a modern kid, Wick is looking for followers, um, different kind of followers, not social media followers, but followers nonetheless. So he, he has some struggles that might be in common with, with, with the kids of today and the problems they encounter, even though he's coming from a really different world. So what do you do to prepare you, you, your writing self to create the language of the modern day teen? Because it seems like their minds are everywhere, but, but you have this way of getting them to focus in on, on the subject at hand. Well, there's a lot of humor in this. Yeah. Um, you know, I, one of the things that's always drawn me to middle grade is, is the ability to kind of, it's a genre that lets you kind of poke fun easily at, at difficult situations and maybe issues like bullying. Um, so, so humor is really a, a huge, huge device for me. And maybe because when I was younger, that was my coping mechanism for the world to kind of, kind of poke holes in it and make fun of it and, you know, <laughs> take, take, take people down a peg if I could. Um, you know, he, he humor is, it can be very intelligent, very cutting, um, you know, while, while, while still being fun to read. And, uh, you know, I, I, especially in kids' books, I, I love a good laugh. Yeah, because, I mean, the one, my favorite kind of humor is what I call under-the-breath humor. It's like something will happen, and you, underneath your breath you'll say something, and, and people will pick up on it, and they're going, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah that, is, that is a wonderful kind of humor, and it's, it's great. We can kind of do that in books, too, because we have a, we have a, a narratorial voice. We have this narrator who can, who can slip us a little message, you know, under, you know, as if it was under their breath. They can whisper it silently as they narrate to us, uh, you know, uh, rather cutting comments about the other characters in the story. What, what is your favorite thing yeah. about writing? Is it, is it the fact that you get to take yourself on the adventure first, or what, what is it that keeps you going back to that, to, you know, to that computer screen? I think so. You know, there's, I, for me, there's always been a real thrill to creating a thing to, mm -hmm. you know, to, as, as we go through each draft and it becomes more polished, we, we kind of surprise ourselves at how the work comes to life. You know, when, when I, when I see a draft from when I first sketch it in until, you know, maybe months and months and sometimes a year or so later when I in copy edits, um, it's amazing how the work transforms and comes to life. And I creating stuff for me has always been thrilling. And uh, there's, there's a real thrill to seeing the story come alive and seeing the, the words come together in a polished fashion. I, I just love that. I love creating something and I love having a, a book in my hand at the end yes. that I, you know, I have something concrete that I hope paper books never go away because I, I like having something physical that I've produced. So I, true. I hate to only produce uh, files. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be a guy who makes uh 
files, you know, of, of you know, that people put on their computer. That is, that is so true because I'll tell you what, I, I think the one thing that I did not like about the lockdown was the fact that, yeah, we still did the conversations with the authors and stuff like that, but they would send me a PDF file. No, I want the book. I mean, I'm sitting here with your <laughs> you book, book in my yes. hands right now. I'm feeling yes. the texture well, of the paper. Right. I've, I've got everything yeah. right here. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I do love that too. And I, I think it's, I think it's different. I, I don't think eBooks are the same experience. It's harder for us to read on a screen. Yep. It's not as good for our eyes. It's a different experience. The way I flip pages, it's you know I, people like to pretend that it's there's no difference, but the the differences are maybe even enormous. Yeah. Um, and 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 one of the things I love about kids lit is that people see their kids spending too much time on the iPad anyway. So I think they're more than happy to buy them physical books. Um, and physical books really sell for kids lit. So I, I love that it, it's a genre that, that's really hung on to the physical book. And I hope it'll, I think it will continue to. And, you know, I think publishers are responding to that. They produce very beautiful books. I love these books. Um, you know, they don't have a dust jacket. They have the cover printed directly on the yep. boards, which, which I've always loved. It's actually my favorite. I wish all books were kind of done that way. Because um, yeah, dust jackets tend to tatter a little bit, and these seem to wear a little bit better. So I, I, I think publishers put a lot of effort into making these books beautiful and something that you want to hold and have. And I, and I love that. It's a real respect for books. Well, especially for young adults, because you know darn good and well, they throw it into their book bag, they throw it into their locker, they throw it wherever they can, and that book has got to take a beat. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These these are tough books, um, and I no doubt because of the audience, and I love that. It means they're thinking about it. How do you move through the storm? Because you know there are young readers right now that are writing. They they want to tell stories. They want to share stories. I call them writer hiders, but they're they're putting them underneath their beds. They're putting them up in the attics. They don't want to release what's being written, and they they don't understand the process. It doesn't belong to you. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting. Uh, you know, I do think putting yourself out there is always a challenge, and it, it, it's it's frightening. Even when I sell no books, it's still frightening to have your book out there, and it's frightening because everything gets rejected. I, I was once reading about Harry Potter and how many times that book had been rejected before it was published. Yeah. You know, lot, plenty of great books are rejected, so I think people have to realize that the rejection isn't necessarily about your book, and that things are rejected for a lot of reasons, and sometimes really great books are rejected. There's a, there's a whole history of great books being rejected. So, you know, you got to learn to take that rejection in stride. That, to be honest, that's hard. I, I, that's something I still struggle with. And if I have some, when I get a rejection or a bad review or anything, it's something we struggle with. It's, yep. it's something that's hard not to take personally. So I understand why those kids keep, keep their manuscripts under their bed. But, you know, to produce, we need to deal with the, the trauma of putting our work out there in the world. <laughs> What's your website, man? I want my listeners to come and give you some love. All right. Um, so I, you can, if you just type in Michael Johnston author, you'll find my website. And uh, the best place to find out about me is on Instagram and yes. Twitter. And my handle is M Johnston, J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N, author, M Johnston author on Twitter and Instagram, and recently, because I write for kids, I joined TikTok, which oh. was its own kind of traumatic experience. Um, <laughs> so, oh well, you know, you got to try everything. It's That's been right. interesting. <laughs> Mike, you got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Thanks. Well, you be brilliant today, okay, sir? You too. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I had a great time.